I don't think I've been more excited for a weekend in a long time. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with the fact that there's hockey on. It's going to be Leafs versus Oilers and all kinds of other crazy matchups. I think I'm just excited to sleep in finally. But we got a lot to talk about on the segment today. We're going to talk a feel-good story. Hank back on the ice. Trouble brewing in Montreal. And every team needs a willy. All that and more coming up on the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Let's go. Welcome back in on this Friday edition of the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Kyle Grimardi, your host as always. Make sure you do subscribe uh, to the podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, Instagram, and Twitter at ST Hockey Podcast. We got a lot going on today. Reminder as well, I'm going to be on Friday nights with the voice of the London Knights, Mr. Mike Stubbs, uh, his segment that airs from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Friday nights on 980 CFPL News. I'm going to be talking... A lot of stuff that's happened over the course of the week and a lot of things that we're going to cover here on the show today, including uh, if, if you've seen the video, you know, some terrible news about Henrik Lundqvist. We'll get to him a little bit later on today, but he is back on the ice. It was one of the most heartwarming things I think I've seen and how happy he was. He was like a kid on Christmas. It was awesome. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on today. Claude Julien, the former head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, gone. Their slide and Carey Price's struggles, and it might not be the coaching. Uh, we're going to discuss every team needs a Willie. Every team needs a William Nylander. They really do. And the resurgence of the LA Kings and Chicago Blackhawks, and I didn't realize it was 2014. I feel like I wish it was 2014 based on the events that have been going on in the world, but we're going to get to all that in a little bit more. I believe I'm going to be getting a uh, special guest joining the show next week. I've kind of learned, too, that you don't necessarily need someone in hockey, but someone that knows hockey, someone that wants to talk about it. I'm branching out. Uh, I work for a country radio station in London, so I'm going to branch out to a couple of my uh, country artists, friends, and see if they want to hop on and, and have some fun, talk some hockey, and, you know, enjoy themselves. So all that and more is going to be coming up, but let's uh, let's start with this here. You know, the Montreal Canadiens have, they got off to an incredible start this season. They, they were top of the division or battling back and forth with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, you know, there were stats going around about them. Stats and, and people were questioning. You know, if you take out their victories against the Vancouver Canucks, and I think Montreal's like 4-0-1 against Vancouver this year. But if you take out just the losses to the Vancouver Canucks, Montreal is like 5-6-3. and Lost again last night, by the way, too. Lost last night to the Winnipeg Jets. 6-3 was the score. And after back-to-back losses to the Ottawa Senators, Claude Julien, coach of the Montreal Canadiens, former coach now, was relieved of his duties. Along with uh, assistant head coach as well. And it's so funny because this came off the heels of two straight losses to the Ottawa Senators. Their second loss... Montreal goes up 5-4 or 6-5 with less than a minute to go. I think there was like two seconds left on the clock. Only for the goal to be overturned. So this would have been a regulation win for the Montreal Canadiens. Goal gets overturned due to goal interference. We've all seen the goal at this point. It, it was a goal. The goaltender, Matt Murray, had plenty of time to get back in the net. If you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. But all of a sudden, that game is now tied going into overtime. Nothing happens. 
Then the shootout occurs, and Ottawa comes away with back-to-back victories against the Montreal Canadiens. Ottawa's actually on a three-game win streak, so good for them. And that ensues then the firing of Claude Julien. But looking deeper and deeper into it, and again, there was a whole wagon, and this team is still good. Like, don't get me wrong. But you start questioning. You start thinking. You go, okay. Montreal's 5-6-3 and three against teams not named the Vancouver Canucks. That includes the Ottawa Senators. Ottawa's always played them in Toronto hard for some reason. But I want you to take a look at this. Sometimes it, 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 it's an easy move to get rid of the coach. Coaching staff, and then there's rumors about uh, Shea Weber and some other leaders on the team who've been, they've been talking about some stuff that's gone on with the team. But Carey Price this year has not been Carey Price this year. Price entered last game's, uh, last night's game against the Winnipeg Jets with a 5 3 3 record with an 8-9-3 save percentage before allowing another five goals last night. His fifth time he's done that in his last six games, or sorry, fifth loss in his last six games. And Carey Price afterwards coming out and be like, I don't know, maybe I've been overthinking things. It's kind of all I got for you right now. Sometimes we might have to think that is Carey Price elite anymore? That's a serious question. Serious question. I think the name kind of personifies Price and kind of gives him the illusion that he's still that elite goaltender. You know, but you look at the team's success, regardless of what's going on. Um, last year, if you remember in the bubble, Price posted a 936 save percentage through 10 games. But he's 33 years of age. He started the season off actually undefeated through six starts. But Jake Allen, who they acquired in a trade from St. Louis, who's the backup goaltender, who was supposed to be kind of, you know, they were going to lean on Allen a little bit more to give Price some rest, and thus Price would be a better goalie. Jake Allen's 4-2-1 with a 9-32 this year. It can't just be the coaching staff. And I said this actually, I believe, on this podcast and on another podcast, that Montreal this year reminded me a lot of last year's New York Islanders, right? Good systems in place. I guess the coaching staff's a little bit more elite over there in New York, but good coaching uh, staff, hard to play against, a lot of physical players on their team, right? Good goaltending, great goaltending, but the star power is kind of lacking a little bit. And yes, Tal Chafoli's been great this year. He's top five in goal scoring. And they've got Shea Weber and Brendan Gallagher and Suzuki. And they're all good players. They're good players. But there's no there's no McDavid and Dreisaitl. There's no Stamkos, Kucherov. There's no Matthews Marner. You know, there's no, there's no star power on the team. And after a while, as great of a system as it is to play hard and to be physical and fight each and every night... It wears you down. And sometimes you just need a guy with skill to take over and just score a really nice goal. And I said that in Toronto's games against Montreal this year. The only way Montreal is going to beat Toronto is if they completely outplay and dominate them and smother them from start to finish. And doing that for 60 minutes is exhausting. It's exhausting. And even when Toronto gets outplayed, they come out on top 5-3. 
they win in overtime because the skill of Marner and Matthews and Nylander is on full display. And sometimes, like, you need a little skill. You get tired from doing hard work. You hunch over and you look up and you watch Matthews put the puck between your legs and dangle it and throw it over to Marner who toe-drags a guy and puts it top shelf with the space that's, that's barely bigger than the size of a puck. You go, man, it'd be nice to get one of those goals. But Munch- and Montreal's got skilled players. Let me not, don't get me wrong here. Don't, don't try to take those words out of my mouth and think that Montreal doesn't have skill. N- uh, Nick Suzuki's going to be a heck of a player at someday. I love, I still really like Jesperi Kokteniemi. You know, Gallagher's a heck of a hardworking player. Uh, Josh Anderson, uh, he got hurt last night, but, you know, he's got nine goals on the season. Everyone's kind of writing him off when they sign that contract. But, like, Jonathan Drouin, too. But it's not the elite high-end skill. There's skill there, but there's no superstar name. You know what I mean? Like, that's where I'm trying to get off here. And Montreal was a team for a long time that really lived off of Carey Price. And... Carey Price's ability to steal games. That was another, that's another thing that Montreal was used to having and teams love to have is sometimes, you know, you can outplay a team, you can outshoot a team, outwork a team all the time. But sometimes, like, when your goalie wins one for you every now and then, it feels nice, right? Gives you a little confidence, a little ego boost to be like, all right, like, this is, this, we needed that. All right, now we're going to go, you won one for us last night, we're going to win one for you tomorrow night. But Carey Price has not been doing that. Numbers aren't getting better. The backup's outperforming him. And he's 33. I'm not saying it's old, but he's not 26, 27. He's not in the prime of his career anymore. He can still steal your game. But so far this year, he has not shown it. He showed it in the bubble last year. But it's been a it's been tough sledding, to say the least, from uh from Carey Price this year. So Montreal. Bit of a slide right now. They've cooled off. They sit fourth in the North Division at 9-6-2. New coaching staff, new regime, maybe a little shake-up. A lot of people call the Claude Julien firing a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction, but until then, you know, we'll kind of wait to see what remains to be seen and how this team develops moving forward. But I think they're fine. There's enough depth on the team. There's It's a very hard-working club. They will get back to it. Hard work pays off. I'm not saying the hard work doesn't pay off. Just saying it's nice every now and then to have an elite player that just goes out and lets their skill do the talking, right? They don't got to go into the corner every single time and dig out the puck. They don't have to rely on a goaltending. Like, skill can just take over, but Montreal's paying Carey Price a lot of money to steal games for them and to be the number one goaltender and one of the best goalies in the league, and hadn't done that so far this year. So we'll see what transpires over there in Montreal. Uh, Let's move on here with some really positive news. Henrik Lundqvist, this past offseason, was released by the New York Rangers. I believe he was bought out. 38 years of age, signed a one-year deal with the Washington Capitals, wants to go pursue another cup. And he was going to be kind of split in time between him and goaltender Ilya Samsonov. Unfortunately, he shared that he had some heart complications, some heart problems, and had to go have open-heart surgery, which is petrifying, hearing the sound of it. Well, less than two months since undergoing the procedure, Henrik Lundqvist posted a video on his social media pages of him taking shots in net just 47 days afterwards. Longtime New York Rangers uh, teammate Chris Kreider came on and said, nothing could warm your heart more than seeing that. That's some of the best news I've heard in a long time. In a pandemic, and no fans in the arenas, 
in all the craziness that's gone on in the world in the United States and, and plus seeing this is probably one of the best news stories so far in 2021. You could argue even one of the best news stories last year and it didn't even happen. We can just count it to last year. Uh, Lundqvist was, uh, you know, taking shots. He was moving and you could just see he was like a kid on Christmas. So happy to see himself be back in the net taking shots, moving around. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, Like, are you, are you coming back? Is this going to happen? Uh, so Lundqvist then pumped the brakes, said on an immediate return on Twitter, posted, said, going to the rings this week have been uh, extremely, extremely rewarding. My health is obviously my number one priority. It will be months before I come to make any decisions regarding my uh, future. After a couple more tests with some doctors, the one thing I do know with 100% certainty is that I still love the game. And this was, and you got to go back and you look at Henrik Lundqvist's numbers and he's a Vesna winner. He has made it all the way to the Stanley Cup finals. He's come so close to winning a championship. Remember that goal with Alec Martinez on the LA Kings or the Kings won it. I think it was 2014 or 2013. But man, it was, uh, he's, a, he's one of very few players in this league who hasn't won a cup yet that you really are rooting for to win a cup. Goes like Lungfist, Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe. Like those are the guys on that list. Um, so just seeing him back on the ice was truly, truly incredible to see. Um, I really hope he can find a way to come back. I really do. He's progressing pretty well. He's going to take some, he's, he's, he's also been talked about as one of the hardest workers in hockey. So if he wanted to come back, I think he'd be welcomed him. He was going to be a big part of the net for the Washington Capitals this year. He was going to be a big reason as to why, you know, they were going to kind of balance between him and and their like rookie slash sophomore Ilya Samsonov and split the net with those two. And, you know, they have like that veteran presence and to give him a chance to win a Stanley Cup. You know, it's been, he has had an enduring career. He's one of the greatest of all time. I think he rewrote the New York Rangers record books in terms of, Every single one, I think his name is under. It's like wins, shutouts, games played. He's been he's been a catalyst for that team. And he was like a late round pick too. I think he was like he was either undrafted or he went like in the fifth round or lower. I'm gonna try and look it up real quick here as well. But yeah, he was a guy. I don't think he he wasn't highly touted. Came in and just absolutely. Stole the show. Took over the reins in net. There's 205th overall. So he was drafted. 205th overall back in the year 2000. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous to see that. There's so many guys that have that draft capital who you don't even like. It's absolutely wild. So really amazing news. I just I wanted to bring this up because this happened literally moments after Tuesday's episode dropped. And I wanted to talk about this and it kind of, it gets to my heart a little bit as a former goaltender and playing and, and knowing how hard it is to get back into that shape and how hard he's worked and, and seeing him love the sport at 38, want to get back and have a chance to just play is, is it was uh it was a moment for sure. And I shared it up on the um, second thoughts hockey podcast, uh, Twitter page, Instagram page. If you want to go check out some of his movement and net, he looks great by the way, too. looks like he could play tomorrow. But just wants to make sure his heart is okay after the surgery. Clearly looks like he it went well. 
and um, really awesome to see. So huge, uh, huge kudos, and we're, we're sending some prayers up right now to Henrik Lundqvist to continue with his recovery process and to see him back in the Nash Hockey League. If, if fans are allowed back in by the time he's able to come back and get the ovation that he deserves, like you ever talk about a goosebumps moment? That'd be one of them. So good on you, Hank. Great, to, uh, glad to see you back on the ice. Um, okay, I want to move on to a story here. And I want to talk about this for a bunch of different reasons. So Toronto Maple Leafs right now, first in the North Division. They're like 15-4-1 or something stupid. They've been a catalyst all year. They've got high-end talent, like we mentioned earlier on in the show. Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, William Nylander, Morgan Riley. Like, the team is loaded. But a couple games go by. You know, William Nylander hadn't scored in a very long time. You know, looked a little lost. Wasn't playing with Matthews or Marnie. He's playing with Tavares. Their chemistry's kind of been a little iffy. And there was an article posted on the Toronto Sun. I don't know if you saw this. But it was of William Nylander. And it it says something like, some assembly required. So William Nylander, born in Sweden, lived in Alberta for a long time. But he is a Swedish, uh, Swedish player. And the article was written by Steve Simmons. And talked about the criticism and that William Nylander is... Still not there. And it made the front page. Mind you, Toronto's winning games. I think they lost like all game to the Calgary Flames, which no one scored, by the way. They had Tavares, Martin, and Matthews together. They didn't score for the second straight game that they were paired together. Nylander was with Kerfoot and I don't know who else, but nobody scored. Right? Article came out. Next game comes out. And this, by the way, Dave Riddich has owned the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's given up three goals over his last three games to Toronto. He's 2-0-1. Last game, Toronto goes in, plays Calgary. They're down 1-0 with like a minute left. And who scores to tie the game? William Nylander. Like, oh, this is great. Right after the article comes out. Game goes to overtime. Matthews gets the puck, drops it to Nylander, blows by Sean Monaghan, roofs it. Scored both goals in the game. Every team needs a William Nylander. For all the criticism that he takes, all the trade rumors that come up every single year, he does an awful lot for a guy who makes $7 million a year. Now, yes, $7 million, decent amount, and you are expected to perform. But we need to remember... It's also a lazy narrative to just say, oh, we could trade William Nylander. Could get rid of him. All right, trade Willie. That $7 million cap, it's gone. We could use it for something else. What, like secondary scoring? The players love him on the Leafs. They vouch for him. He's also getting to that point now where the media, where he doesn't care. He doesn't care what gets posted about him, what gets said about him. You know, what the media says, what he's portrayed as, what rumors he's kind of swirling around. And he's he's just, he's grown thick skin. He's become accustomed to it. At this point now, he even fired shots back. He, he even fired shots back the other day. I think he said uh, after the game, they asked him questions. And he's like, put that on the front page. <laughs> like, good. Good for him for saying that. Think about this for a second. Toronto is this one-two punch, right? Martin Matthews, they're playing together. They've been lighting the league up. It's been great to watch. Matthews is 31 points. I think Marner's 30. All right, they played like 21 games. It's been great. And Nylander, like I said earlier, took a little bit of a backseat, 
not really, but he's paired with John Tavares, pretty great player himself. But the, the two haven't really clicked that much. But with Matthews and Marsh scoring the way they have, there's no pressure on Nylander to score every night because you've got Marner and Matthews and Tavares. All three of those players make 11 plus million dollars or $11 million around there. Nylander makes seven. What do you want from a $7 million player? Right? Just for example, just some of the players that make seven plus million dollars a year. And Kevin Hayes makes seven million. James Van Riemsdyk makes about seven million dollars. Right? Lucic makes six. Louis Erickson makes six. Would you rather have Louis Erickson at six or William Nylander at seven? I'm taking William Nylander. He's a year removed from a 30-plus goal season, 30-plus assists. He's had multiple 20-goal campaigns. He's a lock for almost 55 to 60-plus points. That's what you get for $7 million. That's a secondary scorer who doesn't score every game, but chips in with a point probably two out of three games a year. Right? At least half. Some of those games, he, he produces two points. He had two goals the other night. But isn't that what you want from a secondary scorer? Isn't that what you want from a William Nylander? Isn't that what you want from a guy who isn't the the, the team leader in AAV? Doesn't make the most money on the team because he's not expected to do as much as Austin Matthews does or even Mitch Marner or John Tavares. But William Nylander this year, again, is, is doing what William Nylander does. So far this season, 21 games. Seven goals, nine assists, 16 points. 16 points in 21 games. That's going to put him at what? 25 goals and 65 points when the year's done? That's about what $7 million gets you. Trying to compare him to the production of Marner and Matthews is unfair because he's not he's not in the earning category of Marner's, Marner and Matthews. He's not there. The thing you have to remember, too, as a secondary scorer, he's a bit more of a streaky player. Right? He'll go on stretches where he started the year off and he had like six points his first three games. Right? He'll score like in, in, he'll have points in, in five, six, or he'll have goals in four straight. But then all the stretches where, yeah, he doesn't score for three games. It's a secondary scoring. Good thing you have John Tavares and Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner to pick up the slack when he's not scoring. Every team needs this. And by the way, going back to the trade rumors for a second. If he were to get traded to some of the teams that he's that the Leafs have been quote-unquote linked to, right? Because there was a rumor with Elliot Freeman uh, on the uh, 31 Thoughts podcast and uh, the, 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 the second intermission where they talk about headlines that there's there's a name he wrote down from a team. Nashville and Anaheim have, have, are two teams. I think uh, Marcus Granlin or, uh, yeah, Marcus Granlin or Mikhail Granlin, whatever the one is. And then Ricard Raquel, right? So Anaheim, Nashville. If William Nylander goes to those teams, let's just say, right? Because I think if you were to go to Nashville, like Nashville is like either Granlin or someone even suggested Forsberg or something like that. Well, Forsberg makes $6 million a year. You can't take that $6 million on without having to give up some money. So William Nylander would go the other way. But aren't they essentially the same player? 
Like, is, doesn't Philip Forsberg this year have, like, 10 goals and seven or eight assists this year? Like, he's around the same point totals as William Nylander? It's because they make about the same. Now, Forsberg's supposed to be a little bit more of a leader in terms of points on that team. But, I don't know, you get what you pay for. Philip Forsberg, 19 games, 9 goals, 8 assists, 17 points. He's got one more point than William Nylander this year. Someone suggested that Forsberg could be in a trade for Toronto and Toronto would give up like uh, like a first, one of their prospects, and I don't know, like Kerfoot or I don't know, something else to alleviate cap and then Nashville would take on cap or something like that. And I still don't see it. I still don't see how it fits, but... This is what you get from a $7 million forward. It's exactly what you get. Philip Forsberg's doing it right now. He makes six. Willie makes seven. 17 and 18 points apiece. Nylander had 30-plus goals last year. And 30-plus assists on the second line. That's exactly what you want from a guy on your second. And William Nylander. If you hear that in the background, it's drilling, by the way. I'm trying to record all the way through because I'm I'm filming this one. So if you hear that in the background, my apologies. But but you can't ask much more from a guy like William Nylander. Again, he's had some some chemistry issues with John Tavares. He's a little bit more streaky. But I also think, too, that a third player on that line would do, would do huge, would pay huge dividends. Right? Like, if you remember before, when Matthews and Nylander played together, the chemistry was great. But the main catalyst on that line was when Zach Hyman was there. Right, he was hitting people, he was creating turnovers and stuff, and then Matthews and Nylander were capitalizing. If you put like a Mikheyev there, even if you put Hyman back on that line, even newly acquired Alex Galchenyuk, I think the third catalyst on that could all, could just get him going. But the whole talk of trading Willie, I feel like it's lazy, or criticizing like Nylander of all people. You need, Every team needs a Willie. Every team needs a Nylander. Every team needs that secondary scoring. You know, honestly, I would call him a bargain player or at least what you're paying to get. Like you're paying that money to get about 25 to 30 goals and 60 plus points. That's what he does. Sometimes he's not going to score. Sometimes he looks quote unquote lazy. It's There's a difference between lazy and effortless. He makes things look effortless. His skating is so smooth and effortless. Did you see his game-winning goal against Calgary? Did it look like he was putting that much effort into it? Nobody blew past Sean Monaghan, who looked like he had been skating for the first time in three weeks. Like, he was hustling, his head was down, and Nylander's got one hand on a stick. He's, like, gliding in all cool and just, like, chips it over Dave Riddich. Looked awesome. But I'm just saying, you need a guy like Willie. You need him. You need him on your team, especially if you want to be a contender. Every team has that secondary scoring player that comes in, that, yes, they get a little criticized, but when your top guys aren't going, like Pittsburgh and Phil Kessel, for example, right? It was Crosby and and Kunitz and Gensel, and then there was Malkin. If you remember the one year that Pittsburgh, I think they won, it was the year they beat San Jose in the finals. But their third line was like Nick Bonino, I forget who the left winger was, and then Phil Kessel. That's your third line. But he was making like, because he made eight, Toronto retained 1.2, whatever. So he was making like $7 million onto their third line. Guess what? They won the cup. He almost led the team in scoring in the postseason. 
Every team needs that player. William Nylander is that player for Toronto. He's vital. Because then at that point, then you've got to split up Martin Matthews just to make things even if you don't have Willie on the team. I have been, I, I will say, I have been on the boat where I've criticized Nylander before. I thought there were times where he did look lazy. I thought there were times that, you know, he wasn't producing. I'm like, they need him to produce. Like, if Martin Matthews can't do everything. Well, guess what? Martin Matthews, Matthews had two assists the other day, but guess who had both goals? William Nylander. Right When those guys don't aren't able to go, that's when your secondary scoring steps up. Martin Matthews score a lot, but the odd times that they don't, that's when you want guys like Nylander and, and Tavares stepping in, and Nylander's been doing that all year long. 16 points, by the way, in 21 games. And there's rumors about him being traded. I think it's, I think it's laughable. Every team needs a Willie. Every team. Uh, and, and the final thing we'll get to here before we uh, get to some news and notes around the league. You know, this year... A lot of people hadn't picked the LA Kings or Chicago Blackhawks to be in playoff spots and to be rolling the way they are right now. Yet here we are. LA Kings have rattled off six straight wins. Chicago's like second in their division. I feel like it's 2014. I feel like we're back in the time where it was always Chicago Kings. Then they play like two or three straight consecutive times in the conference finals. Like these were the teams. It was like if Chicago didn't win the cup, it was LA. Then Chicago won two straight, and then L.A. won the next year. Like, it's, these two teams dominated for, like, a five, six-year stretch from, like, 2010 to 2016. It was, like, them two in Pittsburgh. Like, those were the Stanley Cup winning teams. How in the world is this happening? Because I want to give kudos to the teams. Because I remember coming on, I talked about Chicago, and I'm like, man, they've been dealt an awful hand. Brent Seabrook, who I know is a little slower and getting older, but he's he was out long-term injury. Jonathan Taves, there's something going on with him. He hasn't played this year. Kirby Dock, the promising forward who was going to be um, team captain of the World Junior Hockey Championships. You know, he got injured. He's going to be out four to five months. And I'm like, man, this team is going to be spiraling. And to start the year, you know, they were kind of iffy. They also didn't have any goaltending, right? Corey Crawford left. And I think they brought in like Malcolm Subban and you didn't know who else. Well, let's look at why Chicago's doing so well this year. Let's start with, with de facto number one. Patrick Kane is on another level. Patrick Kane right near, now is near the top in l- scoring, despite not having either of his centermen he's played with in the past in either Kirby Doc or Jonathan Taves. This to me just proves that wingers can carry um, not just a line, but a team, right? When there was talks about guys like Panarin getting all this money and Marner getting all this money and Dreisaitl when he was playing wing getting all this money. You're like, well, he doesn't play center. He can't get that much money. Well, some of these guys are, are leading their teams in scoring and carrying their teams. Panarin was a heart finalist last year. Marner's on point pace for like 125 points this year. Patrick Kane is just doing what Patrick Kane does. He's got like, what, 31 points this year? He's tied for third in the NHL in scoring. Third or fourth. He's doing it again despite not having any of his normal, like, secondary scoring with him. It's been incredible. Number two, Kevin Lankinen has been an absolute monster in goal for his rookie year for Chicago. There were so many question marks in net about Chicago with the Corey Crawford leaving. And, you know, they didn't really, they didn't jump. There was a lot of goalies on the market this year. Like there was Holpe, there was Markstrom. There was a bunch of guys who you could have snapped up and they just didn't. And then by the time they were trying to figure out who was going to be on the team, 
you know, they, they were kind of stuck. In comes this rookie, Kevin Lankinen, who no one had heard of before this year. And he has been, he's been, he's been dominant this year, to say the least. Right? Just looking at his numbers right now. Kevin Lankinen, he started 14 games, by the way. He's 8-3-4 and four with a 2-5-9 goals against and a 9-21 save percentage. That's, he's only got one. He's got a shutout on the year two. But he's come, he's 25 as a rookie, which is my favorite thing. I feel like Chicago does this all the time with rookies. Right, wasn't last year like Dominic Kubelik? Wasn't he like 23 or 24? And the same thing, like Panarin won the Calder at 24. Yeah, Kubelik's 25. Last year was a rookie at 24. This year, Lankin is 25 as a rookie. And a few years back, Artemi Panarin was a rookie and won the Calder on the Chicago Blackhawks at 24. Like, it's wild how Chicago finds these late bloomer guys. And also, just to, just to even add more insult to injury, we're going to talk about them in just a little bit. But Kubelik was drafted in the seventh round by the LA Kings. Gets passed around a little bit, goes to Chicago. Rookie year scores 30 goals. This is why Chicago is just always that anomaly of a team that just cranks out talent left, right, and center. They're also missing Alex Nylander. Just another throw in there. Uh, and and sorry, let's move on here. Number three is Alex Dabrinkit has bounced back this year. Dabrinkit had a rough year last year. Dabrinkit was not great last year. Why do I know that? I had him on fantasy last year. He was god-awful. God-awful. Something was off with him last year. Well, this year, 17 games played, 9 goals, 11 assists, 20 points. Him and Kane have been absolutely, they've, they've reignited their chemistry together. They've been playing on the top line. Last year, he was on the third, sometimes fourth line. I check all the time, daily face-offs, and he'd be like slotted in third line. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to trade this guy. Like, I can't get rid of him. This year, he has come all the way back, and, you know, you got a one-two punch into Brinkett and, uh, and Kane. You get some goaltending, some decent defense from a couple guys. You know, Keith has stepped up again. Adam Boakvist doing a really nice job. And, you know, here are the Blackhawks who are sitting, sorry, third in their division, not second, third in their division, just behind the Panthers and Lightning. They've played a couple more games, but, like, they're sitting comfortably right now with a few points up on on Columbus. Dallas still has some games to catch up, but they're right in it. They're right in the thick of it, 11-6-4. Then you move on to the LA Kings, also third in their in their division have rattled off six straight wins. They started off the year 3-6-3. Three, and three. They are now 9-6-3. and three. They sit third in the division ahead of Arizona, Minnesota, Colorado, but they've only played 16 games. But it feels like 2014. Why are the Kings doing so well? Number one, Anze Kopitar continues to go under the radar as one of the best two-way centers in the league. Hands down. Uh... Some of the young guns have also been leading the way. You look at Gabe Velarde doing a really nice job over there. A couple other defensemen who have stepped up really well. Goaltender Cal Peterson has been fantastic this year. Started in nine games. He's 4-4-1, which is an okay record, but he's got a 2-2-8 goals against 9-31 save percentage. This is their goalie of the future. He's 26 years of age. He's coming into the prime of his career. Jonathan Quick looks like he's kind of on the way out at 35. His stats are okay. 2-8-2 goals against 9-0-3 save percentage. Like, it feels like, the, based on their stats, Quick's the backup. Peterson's the starter. They've they've kind of split the, the year so far. But goaltending again. Leading scorers, Anze Kopitar, doing his thing as one of the best two-way centers in hockey. 
and Dustin Brown. Like, hi, is this five, six years ago when Dustin Brown was scoring 30 goals and 30 assists in a season? 11 goals in 19 games this year. I remember, like, back in the heyday, Dustin Brown was a nightmare to play against. And then he had some really rough years. And now he's 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 one of the, I think he's in the top 10 in goal scoring. He's 11 goals in 19 games. It's absolutely unbelievable. I love it so much. Good on both teams. Good on the markets, fan bases. I know it was annoying in, in during the day when it was always Chicago. It was always LA. It was always Pittsburgh. And then you kind of see him down a little bit and you're like, yeah, all right, now it's our team's turn. But then you kind of miss it a little bit. Because those teams, they brought such a presence around the league. And, and just seeing them, you know, getting off to some decent starts despite all of the, you know, everyone picking against them and, and you know, all the odds against Chicago and the Kings looking like they're in a rebuild or a, a re, you know, reshift. Uh, good on them. They've been playing hard as well. They've been playing some really tough hockey of late. So good on uh, Chicago, good on the Kings. Uh, let's get to some news and rumors around the NHL throughout the league. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins forward Jason Zucker going to be out long term after suffering a lower body injury during Tuesday's win against the um, Washington Capitals. Mike Sullivan announced uh, he had to be carried off the ice uh, by trainers after catching a, state, a skate on Capitals defenseman Nick Jensen's foot in the third period. Uh, he had four goals and seven points through 17 games so far this year. He was acquired in a trade a couple years back, um, or it was last year or two years ago, with the um, Minnesota Wild, but... Guy was playing top six minutes. Tough blow for Pittsburgh. We'll see what they do to replace that uh, the production. Uh, the slumping Buffalo Sabres winger, Jeff Skinner, is a healthy scratch for the third consecutive game last night against the New Jersey Devils. Uh, Skinner has no goals and one assist through 14 games. He is in the second season of an eight-year, $72 million contract. He signed this after posting a career-high 40 goals in his first year with Buffalo. Since then, he scored 14 goals in 59 games last year and none through 14 games this year. In 73 games since his 40-goal season, he has 14 goals. It has been rough. He was playing fourth line. They tried to mix up. They put him with Eichel. They put him with Olafson. They put him with Stahl. Didn't matter. He has had a rough time over there so hopefully you can find a way to uh get bounce because that's an awful cap hit for six more years that's what nine million a year eight times nine seventy two yeah nine million dollars a year awful just it's tough and buffalo has had a year buffalo's had a year and now knowing that oh man like is that going to be a buyout with five years left to go on that contract where they're paying him three million a year and that's on the books forever. I don't know. That's a tough scenario to be in for the, uh, for the Buffalo Sabres. So here's hoping that he can find a way to rebound in some way, shape or form. Cause you don't want to see a player go through that and a team go through that. I mean, as much as, you know, Buffalo has been you know, kind of a punching bag for a little bit, you know, they've, they, they really look like they, they the names are on paper. They just haven't put it together yet. Outside of the goaltending, in my opinion, but nevertheless. Uh, forward Austin Matthews, his bid for the Hart Trophy kind of looks even more impressive now. Post-game after Toronto's last win, uh, Sheldon Keefe, head coach of the Leafs, confirmed that Matthews' wrist has been bothering him after Wednesday's game, and he said, we'll see how it is. We'll continue to take care of it and monitor it. We don't think it's anything more at this point than what he's been dealing with virtually all season. You mean that missile of a shot gets harder? because he's had a sore wrist for so long. 
leads the league at 18 goals. He assisted on both Nylander goals this past game. He didn't take the face-off to start overtime against the Flames, mainly due because of his wrist. Um, but Matthews has been on a torrid streak, and the fact that he's been doing it with a sore wrist is even more wild. Uh, Matthews became just the third player in Leafs history to notch at least a point in 18 of his first 20 games. He joined uh, Babe Die and Daryl Sittler, the only two other players. Um, if you remember last year, too, I don't know if this is related or not, but Matthews missed, he skipped the All-Star events due to receive treatment for an, a wrist condition. I don't know if it's the same wrist. I don't know if it's the same issue, but if it's related, who knows? But it's even more impressive that he has 18 goals. Absolutely wild. And then final news, big news out of Boston. Uh, Boston major sports teams will beginning, uh, begin to allow spectators to return to stadiums next month. Massachusetts Governor uh, Charlie Baker announced yesterday in the state planning um, they're going to be allowing some of the major teams like the Celtics, the Bruins, and the Red Sox to allow some fans in stadiums as of March 22nd. So Fenway Park is going to be open to the public in April. They don't know how many people are going to get in there. I don't think there's been any percentages that have shown yet. I think TD Gardens allowed to have 12%. Uh, March 23rd would be the date to circle for Boston to have fans back in the building. So just over 10% at 12% fans back in the building. I'm going to try and do some awful math here, but if I go 10% of 20, it'd be about 2,000. So it'd be, a, it'd be roughly 2,000 fans, right? If an arena holds about 18,000 people, 12% of that, 10% of, of 20,000 would be about 2,000. So 12% of not, yeah, it'd be about, be about two. Any like 22, 2200 fans or something like that. But interesting that Boston's going to move ahead forward. Just funny too, just considering the fact that they play in the same division as teams like Tampa, teams like Dallas, um, teams like Florida division where, you know, it's been, it's been, there's been a lot of postponements in the NHL. I just want to correct to make sure that I'm, that they're actually in the same division. No, sorry. They're in the division with the Capitals, Islanders, Flyers, Penguins, Devils. But Devils games have been postponed. Pittsburgh games have been postponed. Islanders games have been postponed. Washington had a had a COVID um, situation with their team with, with Ovechkin and Orloff and Kuznetsov. But interesting that Boston's moving ahead with that plan. Uh, I guess it's only their arena, but... Uh, again, I look at the North Division as the only division that hasn't had postponements yet, and... You know, interesting decision, but if it's going to make you money, if they're going to do it safely, if they're going to do things properly, then, you know, it's big news for Boston, big news for uh, Bruins fans. Uh, but okay, until then, that is it. This is the first one that I've recorded the entire video on, so I'm going to see if what I can do to upload this as well as upload. I'm going to try and upload every episode, but do just the audio versions of it with the uh, logo in the background, so I'm going to try and work on that a little bit. Like I said earlier on, but at the start of the podcast, I should be having a special guest from the country music world coming on next week, either on Tuesday or Friday's edition of the show. Because it is a Friday today, I'll be joining Mike Stubbs from the London Knights for his show Friday Nights on 980 CFPL News, uh, just after seven o'clock, I've been doing it every Friday for the last couple months or so. It's been great getting a chance to talk with him and catch up. Um, make sure you follow along on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify or wherever you happen to be getting your podcasts. I'm going to really, when I have some time, I'm going to really look into YouTube and try and upload all the content to YouTube, even if it's just videos of the logo with, with audio waves on it. I just want to get that up as another platform. So uh, stay posted for that. And then make sure to follow along on Instagram and Twitter at ST Hockey Podcast. YouTube is the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. 
Uh, also mentioned too, la- latest article from the hockey writers on the Vancouver Canucks. It's out. Uh, it discusses that Canucks cannot can continue to afford um, just taking the moral victories. They need to actually start winning games. Uh, that one is up at thehockeywriters.com uh, if you want to go check that one out. But until then, enjoy the weekend. Remember to stay safe out there. Uh, enjoy some hockey. Have a couple bevies. Uh, kick back and relax and stay safe. I will see you back on Tuesday. Until then, that's a wrap. Thank you.